0: a little bit and from all that's going on and being in the house of the Lord with us tonight and uh, I do want to just echo virtually everything that brother Merrill just said short of repeating everything but as you talk to folks and uh, uh, engage with folks uh, between now and Sunday them to be in church Sunday uh, the physical man depends on the spirit of the man for its strength for attitude for perspective and so on and um i know people are working hard and what have you but your spirit needs to be ministered to your your attitude your perspective needs to be ministered to and god can go a long ways in doing that so we want to encourage you to um plan to be in the house of the lord sunday at 10 o'clock uh just shut down for a little while come out to church for for an, an hour and a half and Let's see what God will do for your spirit. Thank the Lord. Uh, Along, Brother Merrill, those of you watching, join us on live stream. Welcome. We're glad to have you with us tonight, and uh, we pray that our service is a blessing to you. I want to actually continue the series that I've been teaching on Wednesday night, To Be Made Whole. Um, I want to continue that series uh, tonight, and uh, the reason I'm doing that is because I want us to get back to normal church as soon as possible. Uh, My plan, is we see right now, we'll have service at 10 this coming Sunday. But that will be the last time. After that, we'll go back to Sunday school. We'll go back to our 11 o'clock service on the following Sunday. So you guys help me spread that around. Uh, I will announce that under the circumstances, we have postponed our children's revival with the Borleks that was coming up in a couple of weeks and uh, we will reschedule that as well so uh, keep that in mind and we'll keep you posted uh, you folks check your email those of you on live stream if you get something from grace church and need to open it and read it we're keeping you posted of things that we have available to you uh, by way of needs and supplies food those kind of things uh, we're letting you know our service schedule so if you get a text or an email from grace church don't just dismiss it You need to open it and read it. It will be very informative. We're glad tonight to have Brother Mike Andrews here with us from Biloxi. And uh, in case y'all can't spot him, he's a guy sitting over there in the black shirt. Uh, But anyway, uh, phenomenal man. Uh, I love his attitude and spirit. Uh, His expertise is in disaster relief. And um, his pastor, uh, Brother Springer in Biloxi, has given him just wide open permission to come over here and help us And I am so thankful for that. I don't know what to do. He brought a truckload of stuff with him. Last night, our freezer in the A Center is full. People have been getting things out of it today. We want people to continue to do that. All of that is here for you. It's for for our community, for our church. Um, And I understand they they have six or eight more pallets of stuff coming tomorrow. We have cleaning supplies, uh, brooms, dustpans. I call them snow shovels, but I've lived in the north uh but uh we have uh all kind of things in the a center so if you're here tonight after church before you leave walk over there if you need any of that take it home with you and if you know anybody else that needs it help us get word out that we have these things and don't say well we'll let someone else have it no it's here for you it's here for you there's ground meat there's uh chicken breast there's meat italian meatballs there's uh cheese pizza all kind of stuff in the freezer and that that's for you folks and then especially if you're housing people you're feeding people or you help feeding people take that stuff home we want to clear out the freezer to make room for more so um, remember that those of you on live stream um, grace church is here and what we have up here in the a center is for you folks we even have clothing quality clothing uh, if people need clothing, uh, it's we have all the different sizes of things and what have you. So that's why all of this stuff is here. We want you to take it with you and uh, just let it be a blessing to you. And everybody said amen. But Brother Mike, if, if y'all shake his hand after church, introduce yourself to him. Great, great man. And uh, there's a group coming from their church uh, this weekend. I understand there's a group coming from Melville this weekend that's just going to help and Uh, help us up here with um, as a distribution area but also to to work labor in people's homes that need carpet ripped out and furniture hauled out and that kind of thing so uh, if you know of somebody that needs help uh, let us know let Casey know she's kind of running interference on those kind of things Um, I think we have four or five more houses on our list to do and uh, we have a crew of guys as long as they'll work Uh, as long as they're off of work, they're willing to work. So uh, keep all of that in mind and help us spread the word. We want to help, folks. We want to help. And we've already helped uh, several of our church families and um, very, very thankful for that. So keep those things in mind. Help us spread the word. And uh, we want to get our area back to normal as soon as possible. And uh, is anybody thankful that our church survived? Aren't you thankful for that? Isn't God good? Thank the Lord. Uh, I told somebody the other day, I was sure fussing when they made us build the slab of the Alexander Center so But whoever that was, I could kiss them on the mouth right now, man. I'm telling you. So we, we did good on that one. But we did say, if it ever floods here, Central's in trouble. And it was almost prophetical. And I also want to clear up, and I plan to mention this Sunday. I preached a couple of Sundays ago about... The cloud that Elijah's servant saw and all that. And I see a cloud coming. Y'all remember that? This is not what I meant. So I just, I just want to clarify this is not what I meant. So I believe there's another blessing from God coming. So uh, absolutely. And our Brother Don has experienced a phenomenal miracle. Him in full hinch. And we'll share that with you Sunday. Thank the Lord. All right, let's jump into our material. We're talking about to be made whole. Um, I'm using words... Uh, There's going to be eight of these lessons, and I'm going to give you a principle for each lesson. The first word of that principle is going to spell the word recovery. And uh, so we've already talked about R, which is realize I'm not God. E is to earnestly believe that God exists. And then C is to consciously choose to commit your life to him. Uh, Number four is to openly examine and confess my faults to myself, God, and to someone I trust. Tonight, I want to read from Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Our principle for tonight is voluntary. Excuse me, voluntarily. Voluntarily submit to every change. Voluntarily submit to every change God wants to make in my life. And humbly ask him to remove my character defects. In my opinion, this is probably one of the better studies in this series. It's difficult to find transparency in people in our modern church world. People feel like I'm saved and that's about it. But if you can find people that are willing to be transparent, most people will admit that... You know, I realize there are some things about me that I'm not real happy about, and I'm going to use the word defect. I don't want to use that in a demeaning way, but just to illustrate, um, as all of you know, I'm probably one of the most transparent people you'll ever meet. And uh, I realize my faults and failures, and I happily admit them. I just don't need to be reminded by you what they are. And uh, But um, if we could voluntarily submit to change everything that God wants to change in us and ask him to remove our character defects. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, Acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I've I've said this many times and, and I've said it in, in counseling and working with people. God really cares about your heart, and he, he wants your heart to be right and what have you. But the New Testament in particular deals extensively with the mind, the brain, the way we think, our attitude, our perspective. And you'll notice that he's writing to the church in Rome. He's into the 12th chapter, which he didn't write in chapters, but he's, towards, he's, he's in the book. He's into writing this book. And he knows that these people are saved. They've already been filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, and so on. And he reminds them to be not conformed to this world. That's a message in itself. Can never afford to compromise the gospel. But he went on to say, to be transformed by bottom line, changing the way you think is what he's saying. Need to change the way you think. I've said for years, people's minds kind of like concrete, it's all mixed up and permanently set. And uh, that is a true statement. But we all have hurts that are hard to forget. Hang-ups that are hard to get rid of, and habits that are hard to overcome. We all have hurts that are hard to forget, hang-ups that are hard to get rid of, and habits that are hard to overcome. That's why we're studying this subject to be made whole. It's not only God's will to redeem our soul for eternity, but He also wants to redeem my life on this earth. He wants to make our lives as fulfilled and blessed as He possibly can, as much as we will let Him. So our text tells us that the way we are transformed into what God wants us to be is by having our minds changed. And I want to remind you folks that I'm a living, breathing illustration Of what I'm going to teach here tonight. And that's why I'm so passionate about it. Unless we can think differently. Unless we can think differently. Any changes I make in my life. Are only temporary. Until you learn how to think. Differently. Any change you want to make in your life. Will be temporary. Because. You will eventually revert back. To old thought patterns. This is why New Year's resolutions aren't worth the paper they're written on. People think that, well, I'll change. I'll change. It takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of accountability to change defects in us. Most people live in illusion because they are... Just an image instead of a reality, they portray a persona that's not real, and most people live that way all right so where do Where do my character effects defects come from? Where do your character defects come from? The scholars tell us people far smarter than I am, but they tell us that our character defects come from three sources. They can be biological, sociological, and theological. So let's make that easier and break it down a little bit better. It's chromosomes, circumstances, and choices. Your chromosomes come from your mother and father. They gave to you 23,000 chromosomes each from your mom and dad. And so you inherited some of their defects. You inherited some of their weaknesses. Again, I'm not beating anybody up. We're just going to have a moment of transparency tonight. You inherited some of them and theirs, whether you wanted it or not. You inherited some defects from your your parents. You, You can inherit physical defects from your parents. And you can even inherit emotional defects from your parents. So this explains your disposition towards certain problems. The reason we react to certain things is one source is because of our mom and dad and what we inherited from them. This doesn't excuse anybody sinning. This is not going on these talk shows and saying blaming everything on your parents. It doesn't excuse you. I'm just giving you where... It came from. So let me give an example. So, for instance, because of my parents, I may have a tendency to have a hot temper, but that doesn't excuse me to go out and murder somebody because I got mad at them. You can't blame that on your parents. After a while, you have to learn to control that or think differently. I may have a tendency to be lazy, and I may have inherited that from my parents but that does not excuse you from not working and doing things with your life that you need to. I may have a genetic tendency towards addictions, but that doesn't excuse me to go out and make the choice to get addicted to something. Y'all understand what I'm teaching here tonight? So that's one source. The second source is circumstances can cause character defects. Circumstances you were raised in, circumstances you married into. Uh, circumstances and, and it can go on and on. If you were raised in a certain way and you've learned a lot of your ways of relating your preferences and your habits from your parents and either other people of influence in your life, you've learned to respond to things in certain ways to cover for yourself and how to handle hurt and rejection. We learned this From our parents. So, a lot of your character defects are simply self defeating attempts to meet unmet needs. A lot of character defects are simply self defeating attempts to meet unmet needs. Listen carefully. Everyone has a legitimate need for respect, everybody wants to be respected. I hear that often. I want to be respected, I want respect. But if you don't get respect early in life, you will settle for attention. If you're not respected, you'll settle for attention. And we all figure out ways to get it. It's the child falling down on the floor and pitching a fit. Um, I do know that people who are abused, children who are abused, even wives who are abused, they will provoke their abuser just to get attention even though it's negative. I cannot say this enough, and I hope people are hearing me tonight. If you don't get respect early in your life, you will settle for attention. And if you are an attention-needing person, you will figure out whatever you have to do to get it. Example. Everyone has a legitimate need for love. Everybody has a legitimate need to be loved. But if you didn't get love you may settle for sex. Our world is full of that, being real here tonight. People will settle for that to obtain emotional closures. Everyone has a legitimate need for security. But if you didn't get security, you may settle for materialism to prove to yourself and to others that you are a worthwhile person. All of these things play in the psychology of who we are and how we think and so on. The third area that will cause character defects is what you choose. It's choices. If you choose to do something long enough, it becomes a habit. And if it becomes a habit, then you're stuck. Things you never intended to develop in your life are created because you choose to do a certain thing long enough that it became a habit. Character defects are often positive qualities taken to an extreme over time because they were misused. As the poem goes, a thought you sow a thought and you reap an action. You sow an action and you reap a habit. You sow a habit and you reap a character. You sow a character and you reap a destiny. So we have to understand where character defects and character flaws, things about us that bother us. We need to understand where it comes from if you're going to actively do anything about changing it. So I've given you the three sources that it comes from. Your parents, your circumstances, and your choices number two why is it so hard to change character defects in our lives why is it so hard to do anything about it number two, because i've had them so long this is just who i am and i want to say to you folks and i'm a living breathing example of this you didn't get your character defects overnight it took years and that's why you probably won't lose them overnight either it takes a lot of work it takes a lot of work, but I'm happy to have, tell you that God will empower you to do it. Many of the habits and patterns and responses you, you have were developed during your childhood, and I think most of us understand that. They may not be comfortable, they may not be comfortable, and they may even be self-defeating. And that's where a lot of Christian people that I know live, even people that are here present tonight. Habits, patterns, responses were developed during your upbringing. You don't particularly like them about yourself, and now they become self-defeating. That's why we struggle to stay married. That's why we struggle to be good parents. That's why we struggle to be good employees. We have character defects. We've lived with them so long. Now we're stuck with them, and we don't know what to do about it. We're uncomfortable, and now they're self-defeating, and our lives aren't as productive And fruitful as they should be but the thing about these character defects is we are familiar with them and we've grown comfortable with them it's like an old pair of shoes they may not be the best for running 20 miles but they're the most comfortable and you've had them so long that it's hard to let go i'm learning in some of these houses that i've been in over the past couple of days that people have some stuff that they need to let go it's not any good anymore, man. You haven't used it in 20 years. Give it up. Let it go. I'm not a hoarder, so I don't, I don't have problems with throwing stuff away, as you all know. But some of this stuff I've seen is ridiculous, man. I mean, you, people can't even walk in certain places in their house, and there's something sitting there that ain't bothered in 20 years. And it's that thick and dust and what. you. Hey, get rid of it, man. You're not going to use it anyway. All right. So we, we have to understand We've had these character flaws for so long, now we're comfortable with it. We don't particularly like it, but it's familiar. Number two is we identify with our character flaws, our character defects. Okay, how many times have you confused your identity with a character defect? Listen to Pastor tonight, I'm trying to help somebody. We say, and I've heard people say this over and over, I've said it, well, that's just the way I am. That's me. That's who I am. What we don't often think through and realize is we don't have to be that. With a little work, a little determination, and a whole lot of God, we can be better. You don't have to be that way you can change. When you say that's just the way I am, you are associating your identity with your character flaws. I want everybody to understand that. So complete this sentence. It's just like me to, and you fill in the blank, to be a workaholic. It's just like me to be undisciplined. It's just like me to be a worrier. It's just like me to be passive. It's just like me to be a procrastinator. It's just like me to lose my temper. It's just like me to be depressed. It's just like me to be lonely. It's just like me to use foul language. It's just like me to have that habit and what have you. Okay, you're associating a character flaw with who you are. When in reality, if you could change that, break that habit or repair through some discipline, that character flaw, then the real you comes to the surface. The you that God is after. So when we say, well, this is just who I am, you're setting yourself up. When you identify yourself with your character defect, it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. To put it real crude and to put it real plain, it's like I've, I was a loser, I am a loser, and I'll always be a loser. That's a choice. But it's a character flaw, not who you are. You're a child of God. You're a Christian person. You're, you're a person that God is working on, and he wants you to be better. He wants you to fulfill what he has put in you to be. He wants you to do that. And you can. And you can. I've heard people say, I always get nervous when I get on an airplane. Just It makes me nervous when I get on airplanes. So what's going to happen the next time you get on an airplane? You're going to get nervous. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Do you all see that? And I know tomorrow morning if I want to change this habit or if I want to quit doing this and I want to quit doing that, I know in the morning I'm just going to fail at it. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And you're associating your identity with a character flaw, and that's not who you are. Psychologists tell us that one of the reasons we can't change is because we're afraid. Listen very carefully. If I really let go of this flaw or this defect, will I still be me? You know, I was born and raised in Pentecost. I've cut my teeth on the back of a church pew. And I've heard these stories all of my life, and and most of you have, of the husband who was a hopeless alcoholic. Finally caves in and is on the verge of losing his family and He can't keep a job and and whatever. And he finally comes to a sense. He comes and gives his heart to God. And God delivers him from alcohol just like that. And all of a sudden, you've got this new person that no one knows. No one's ever known. I've done this, and I've I've said this many times, especially in marriage counseling, that if, if there's a spouse that's just really off the charts with behavior, with language, with conduct, with work ethic, I mean, they're just virtually impossible to live with and all of a sudden they have this this god connect and they become this person that then they've quit doing all that all of a sudden they don't drink anymore anymore. they don't curse anymore they don't they're just good people i mean the other spouse has to go through this long process of getting to know this new person living in their house it changes just that drastic but who is this other person a far better person than the other person. They become a far better man. They become a far better woman because that's what God does in the lives of people. The neighborhood don't go down when God comes into your life. The neighborhood goes up. Quality comes into your life. Character comes into your life. Morality comes into your life. Man, I wish people could get their head around this. And it's not that hard to change. It just takes discipline. Just discipline. Uh, I know what I'm talking about. The other reason as to why these defects or flaws in our life is because, and this, this is going to get your head around, but some defects have a payoff. Some character flaws have a payoff. In our mind, they do. Every character defect or every character flaw has a payoff. It, it, it may mask my pain. It may give me an excuse to fail. It may gain me attention. It may allow me to compensate for my guilt. It may allow me to control other people. So we have these character flaws that we've used and manipulated, or they've used and manipulated us, to the point now where we see a payoff, and that if we want to change that behavior, or change that way of thinking, we're like, well, there's going to be less of me left. I'm not going to be rewarded. And we've learned along. long ago that people don't do things that don't get rewarded. You know, in a a weird sort of way, it's like your character defect or your character flaw works for you. And you subconsciously don't want to let go of that payoff. But again, you're setting yourself up for repeated failure. The fourth thing as to the why is because the devil will discourage you to no end. I don't want you to forget that the Bible calls the devil the accuser. He's an accuser. And he actually does his job pretty well in this department. I have to give him kudos for that. And he works on church people nonstop. He is working on me today. He was. I'm being honest. And so when the devil starts trying to get in your head, trying to get in your ear, he will tell you things like, you know this will never work. You know you can't do it. You know, who do people think you are anyway? You know, if you think you're going to change, forget it. Other people can change, but you can't, and you're stuck, and it's hopeless, and what have you, what have you. Look, I know people, I know people, I've known people for years that are stuck in a mindset. They're phenomenal people. They are gifted. They have so much potential. But because of one character flaw in their life one character defect they'll live the rest of their life subpar beneath what they're able to do what they're able to become what god is able to do in their lives and this is why i'm trying to i'm trying to help people the bible says the devil is a liar so when he accuses you he's lying and we need to understand that but it also says As much as the devil is a liar, the Bible also says that the truth will set you free. So believing a lie will keep you bound. Believing the truth will liberate you. Facebook that, baby. All right. So how do I cooperate with God's change process? If God wanted to step in my life and, and help me change into a better person, into the person he wants me to be, how do I do that? Paul tells us in Romans to be transformed not by continually praying through and God forgive me, God forgive me. It's not living in a state of repentance. Paul said you're, you change, you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. You simply change the way you think. Look, thoughts, the way we think, or the autopilot in our life. If you want to change your life, you've got to change the way you think. It's imperative that we do that. The Bible teaches that your thoughts determine your feelings, and then your feelings determine your actions. So if you want your actions to be better, then your feelings about things need to get better, so you need to change the way you think about things. It all goes back, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You have to change the way you think. Imagine that you were in a boat on a huge lake with an autopilot on it, and it's set to go due east. You can grab that big wheel, and you can temporarily force the boat to go west. But as soon as you let go of the wheel, it's going to head east again. And this is where we come into trouble with saying... Well, I'm going to make a New Year's resolution. It lasts for, what, a day or two until something makes you angry or to something doesn't go right, and just immediately we fall right back into the same direction we've headed before. The Bible teaches it's more than a resolution. It's more than just saying, okay, I'm going to do it. It's a, re- it's a renewing. It's a transformation of our mind, and only by sheer willpower can you go the opposite way that you're naturally inclined to go. I went through a bad spurt all of you know my story, and I'm not going to repeat it. But 16 years old, bad things happened in my life. And and I, in my early 20s, I hated myself. I was suicidal and all that stuff. And I hated myself. But I determined I'm going to change. I'm tired of me. I don't, I don't like me no more. And so I got on my face before God for hours and hours. I'm telling you I did for hours and hours. And I finally wrote down on a piece of paper, Sister Murphy's seen it, I wrote down seven or eight things about me that I wanted to change. And I taped it to the mirror that I dressed in front of every morning. And I would look at one of those things while I was combing my hair. Uh, and I'd say, this is what I'm going to be today. And sometimes I'd fall off the wagon, but I didn't give up. And after a while, that kind of behavior, positive behavior, listen to Pastor tonight. I know what I'm talking about. Young folks, I know what I'm talking about. That positive behavior every day after a while became a habit. And then after a while, it became who I was. And I refused to let my character flaws determine what my identity would be. I somehow, and it, it, it was not until all this issue was settled that I went into the ministry. It's like God knew that I wasn't ready for ministry. And that mind, it, it wasn't that my heart wasn't right with God. I prayed all the time, I, I was in the altar all the time, I was in the prayer room all the time. I taught home Bible studies. My mind was messed up. And I had to renew it, and I did. I'm still working on it. It can be done. It just takes some discipline. If, if you're the, the problem in your marriage, fix it through discipline. Write down a couple of things, what you need to do, and start doing that every day. It's hard. It's not easy. I remember one afternoon I came home from work. I'm early 20s. We had our two kids. And Sister Murph, I knew she was in the house fixing dinner. And when I left work, I was fine. By the time I got home, I was angry out of my mind. I didn't know why depressed it was lonely It was horrible feelings and I sat in the truck for probably 20 or 30 minutes before I went in the house finally sister Murph came out and said what are you doing I said I'll be in in a minute just give me a minute she's fortunately she said okay and then any questions and went on back in the house and I sat there and then I finally decided you know what I'm gonna walk in that house and I'm gonna act like I'm on top of the world I'm gonna be happy I'm gonna kiss the kids I'm gonna hug my wife I'm gonna have a good time on the inside I was raging But I went in the house and I behaved. I I wanted to just put my fist through the wall. I'm being honest. But looking back over those years, I can see the hand of God and the Holy Ghost empowering me every single day. And the more I acted the way I wanted to be, the more of that I became. And it works. Paul said, renew your mind. So only by sheer willpower can you go in the opposite direction, that you're naturally inclined to go so you make decisions resolutions and promises and we say i'm going to and you fill in the blank but the problem with all of that is that you eventually get tired you get frustrated and you let go of the wheel i really want to change change my old autopilot you have to change the way you think so stop saying it's just like me to fail It's just like me to be a bad person. It's just like me to be a loser. It's just like me to do this and that. Quit saying that and start saying, you know what? It's just like me to start being a better man. It's just like me to start being a better woman. It's just like me to start being a better. Start putting positive things. Do it, do it, do it, do it. And it'll change your life and God will help you do that. You have to change the way you think. All right, I have about 15 minutes, I think, till 830. I want to give you seven ways to change the way you think. Seven ways. If you want to write these down, you can go back and listen on podcasts later if you're not prepared to do it tonight. Listen to Pastor, I'm trying to help somebody. You want to change the way you're thinking, this is what you do. Number one is you focus on changing one character flaw or one character defect at a time. Focus on one at a time. Proverbs 17, 24 said, Wisdom is before him that hath understanding you have to understand what you're doing and you have to understand why wisdom is before him that hath understanding so you could say pastor this series on being whole again is great but i've got 50 things that i need to change in my life don't do that look at one and celebrate every victory no matter how small you'll get overwhelmed you'll get discouraged if you want to pick 50 if you want to pick 25 and you'll end up not changing anything You don't just pray, listen to pastor. Don't go in the prayer room and say, God, I want to be a better person. That in itself can be denial. You've got to be specific. God, this is what I want to work on. Or God, I want you to help me to work on this. Go to God in prayer and let him show you which one is damaging your life the most. And let him start working on that first. One defect at a time or it won't work. Focus on one victory One day at a time. If you can go through a whole entire day of just being nice. Celebrate the victory. Call the florist and order yourself flowers. Take yourself out for a steak dinner. Whatever you got to do. But you focus on that victory. Jesus said, listen to pastor. I'm teaching Bible. I'm not teaching psychology tonight. This is Bible. Jesus said, give us this day. Our daily bread. He didn't say give us this year or give us this month. He said give us this day. God wants to give you enough strength to change for one day at a time. But those one days add up to a year. And those years add up to the rest of your life. And the rest of your life can add up to eternity. He wants you to take it one day at a time so you will learn how to trust Him. The old saying is how do you eat the big elephant in the room? One bite at a time. Somebody by the yard, life is hard. But by the inch, life's a cinch. And I agree. You didn't create your problem overnight, so you're not going to conquer it overnight. Break it down into bite-sized pieces. Work on it one day at a time with God's help. So Lord, just for this day, I want to be this. Or just for this day, help me to do this. Or for just today, help me not to do that. Whatever it is, you fill in the blank. This will keep you from making rash vows that you tell God, I promise I will never do any of this stuff ever again. You can't, you can't do that. That's why the Bible says to swear not. And I hear people saying all the time, I swear this and I swear that. You can't swear to nothing. You don't know your next heartbeat's going to happen. But you take it one day at a time. It's give us this day, our daily bread, and it will keep you from Making rash vows that you can't keep them. Jesus said in Matthew 6 34, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought of things for itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. What is the old saying? 90 plus percent of what we worry about never comes to pass anyway. So as you're working through your problems, thank God every day for every victory, no matter how small it is. Number three, focus on God's power, not willpower. Jeremiah 1323 said, Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leper change his spots? Then may you also do good that are accustomed to do evil. We're all we already know that willpower isn't enough. You can't change your stature. I started to say you can't change the color of your hair, but I will tell you what, you can't change the quantity of your hair. Let's do that. I'm in that department, and some of you. But I love what Brother Tenney said, God don't put marble tops on cheap furniture. Brother Mike, hallelujah. (laughs) Thank the Lord. So willpower is enough. You can't change these things by yourself. You have to depend on God. And here's the good news. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Number four is you focus on what you want, not on what you don't want. Focus on what you want to become, and not on what you don't want to become. You want to focus on things that will build your life, not just take away from your life. You want to focus on something that's going to add to your life. Paul said, Philippians four eight. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report. If there be any virtue, virtue. If there be any praise, think on. These things. So whatever you focus on is what you move towards. Whatever you focus on is what dominates your life. Whatever your attention has you, then that's what will be. Not once, listen to the pastor tonight, not once in the Bible does God command you to resist temptation. Why? Because whatever you resist will persist. The harder you push against it, the harder it pushes back. Bible does say resist the devil and he'll flee from you because after a while he does he realizes it don't do any good more it don't do any more good to push but temptation's going to always be there so instead of resisting the Bible teaches refocusing change the way you think I'm telling you folks here tonight you get your head around this it'll change your life so don't just sit there saying I don't want to be this Turn the mental channel of your mind to something else. This is the power of affirming the word of God. You know, there's over 7,000 promises in the Bible for you to claim. Saturate your mind with them. Tape, some, tape what you want to be tomorrow to the dashboard of your vehicle. Tape it to the mirror you dress in front of. Tape it to, in your uh, cubicle at work. Keep it in front of you and say, this is what I'm going to be today. All right, listen, number five. Focus on doing good. Focus on doing good, not feeling good. Don't do what makes you feel good. Do what makes you good. If you do what makes you good, then the byproduct of that is you will feel good. Paul said in Galatians 5, 16, Then I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, if you do the right things, your feelings will eventually catch up with you. But if you wait until you feel like changing, you'll never change because the devil will make sure that you never feel like it. It's always easier to act your way into a feeling than to feel your way into an action. Maybe you sit around knowing there's stuff that needs to be done and you just don't feel like doing it. You don't feel like it. Okay, That illustrates the point that I'm making. It's easier to act your way into a feeling. So if you get up and go ahead and do it, and then you feel better that you've done it because you feel fulfilled and you've got something good accomplished. Are you all following me here tonight? Is this okay? Somebody said one time, fake it until you make it. It will feel very awkward, maybe even terrible, when you begin to change the way you think. Why? Because you're so used to feeling abnormal that normal doesn't feel normal number six and this is huge focus on people who will help you not hinder you paul said be not deceived evil communications corrupt good manners i want to say and i said it sunday uh in our sunday service during all this flood water stuff after a while you got to take your your eye off the water and look on the one that can calm the water the disciples illustrated that on the on the stormy sea you know after a while you turn the tv off turn off facebook if god would cast facebook out of our life it'd be a, a wonderful thing but evil communication corrupts good manners if you don't want to get stung stay away from the bees That's brilliant. That's wise right there. Don't hang around with things that's going to mess you up. Ecclesiastes 4.12 said, And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. You can't recover on your own. You've got to have somebody to be accountable to, somebody to be responsible to. So if you want to be whole, put Jesus first and then find somebody that you can trust. Proverbs 27.17 says, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Finally, number seven, and I'm closing, <clears throat> is you focus on progress, not perfection. You want to focus on progress. If you want to change the way you think, you focus on progress. I heard somebody, they, they put this concept down to literally five minutes. I told somebody one time, and I was in their presence when they said it, if you can go five minutes without sinning, you can go five minutes without committing a sin. Then the next goal is to go 10. And the next goal is to go 15. Take it, You can break it down in the smallest increment you want. But as you're victorious, you celebrate that victory. And you focus on your progress. And don't just summarily give up and say, well, I'll never be perfect. Nobody will ever be perfect. But we can all make good progress. Paul said, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And God is still working on me, and I'm good with that. And I'm not perfect, but I'm making progress. I want to keep moving forward. I want to continue to ascend. Say, Pastor, I've been trying to do what you've been teaching, and I just don't see a whole lot of change yet. Don't worry about it. To be whole... Is a, def- is a decision that you make that's followed by a process. And some of you may be thinking that God will only love you once you get to a certain stage. You may think that once you conquer a certain problem, God's going to love you more. God loves you at each stage in your spiritual growth. Listen to Pastor tonight. Listen. God will never love you any more than he loves you right now neither will God love you any less than he does right now. God's love for you is not based on who you are and what you do and all that kind of stuff. He just loves you because that's his nature. He's not going to love you more or less, but the more you progress, the more he can bless. And that's that's the huge thing. You know, wise, loving parents enjoy children at every stage of their development. You know, sometimes I, I look at Casey... And I watch her with her kids, and, and what she don't particularly care to hear is when Dad says, you know, I remember when you were that age. I remember when you sat on my lap, oh, Dad, right, right, But what she don't realize, and she won't realize it until her kids are her age, and she's my age. <laughs> Can't wait for that to happen. I hope the rapture, you know, you, we'll go on in the rapture, but, you know, <coughs> But I've even noticed with parents that are in their 70s and 80s and their kids are in their 60s. You never love them any less, man. And for every ounce of love that Casey has for her two boys, I have for her. Y'all understand that? So it doesn't matter how old you are, I know some kids that are older and their parents are still living. We talked to somebody yesterday. It's a mom that I know, and if I called her name, all of you would know her. She's like 95 years old. Her kids are older than me, and they're old and cantankerous, and somehow mama's still living. And with old, cantankerous kids, she still loves them, man. It's amazing. They're hard to get along with, they're hard headed, they're stubborn all of that stuff that old people do but mama is ancient she's been around during bible times but she still loves her kids even though they're as old as a hill y'all understand me god's love for you never ceases it never diminishes and god's love for you is not based on your behavior he's gonna love you no matter what you do he will he'll love you no matter what you do i'm thankful he does But as you progress into that person he wants you to be, he can bless you more. So he loves you when you're right, and he loves you when you're wrong. He loves you when you're weak, and he loves you when you're strong. He'll never, ever change. He's every day the same. For God is God, and God is love. So renew your mind and become that person that God wants you to be. Stand with me tonight. Father, we're thankful for the love of God that's been shed abroad in our hearts. We're enveloped by the word of God, by the love of God. Your mercy endureth forever. It endures. Don't have to, but it does. And it does forever. We're thankful for your mercy. We're thankful for the grace of God. And I pray tonight, God, that as patient as you are, as kind and long-suffering as you are, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, that we wouldn't abuse it, these awesome characteristics that you have, but we would embrace them. We would take advantage of them, that we would weave them into the fabric of our life as to who we are, and that you would empower us to become what you want us to be. There's untold thousands of people Yea, millions of people who become what you want what you wanted them to be. And we can do the same. There's everybody here tonight can you can empower them to be what you want them to be, which is the fulfillment of life. It's the fulfillment of what you put us on this planet for to start with. I pray God that you would empower us tonight, help us tonight to be made whole, to be what you want us to be. We give you praise, glory, and honor for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Folks, come back out Sunday morning. Call your friends at Grace Church and what have you. Encourage them to come. They need to be in the house of the Lord. We're going to have a great time. God bless you. We'll see you Sunday in Jesus' name.